Welcome in to speak. Now, NFL games, we all know, own one day and three nights of the week. But they've never seemed so inconsequential. Why? Because Bill's starting safety, DeMar Hamlin, is currently fighting for his life. But you might already know that by now. What you might not know is who is DeMar Hamlin. So who is DeMar Hamlin? He's a teammate drafted to the Buffalo Bills in the sixth round, took over the starting job week three after an injury to the starting safety, Micah Hyde. Who is DeMar Hamlin? He's a graduate from Pitt, got his degree in communications, working on a second degree in sociology. Who is DeMar Hamlin? He's a brother to Demir. Now you might be asking yourself, why did DeMar, the number one defensive player in Pennsylvania, go to Pitt? Because of his younger brother. He wanted Demir to be able to go to his games. He wanted to be that father figure, that secondary father figure, that role model to his younger brother, who is DeMar Hamlin. He's a son. His father, Mario, his mother you see right there over my shoulder, Nina. Who is DeMar Hamlin? He's a giver. He set out the goal to raise $2,500 for a toy drive. And since the tragedy that struck him yesterday, it's raised well over $4 million. What we're witnessing with DeMar Hamlin is not a spectacle. It is not an event. This is a human being. So while you might think of him as an athlete, please make sure you also think of him as a teammate, a graduate, a brother, a son, and a giver. And my objective for this show is to give honor to the Hamlin family and give honor to DeMar. Joined by Dave Hellman, NFL insider, the brilliant as always, Joy Taylor, my former teammate, my brother for life, LaShawn Shady McCoy. Shady, let me start by asking you, who is DeMar Hamlin to you? DeMar Hamlin. Um, he, go, he goes by D-Ham. <clears throat> and uh, I got introduced to this young kid. He went to Pittsburgh. I went to Pittsburgh. And as I went to the, the, the camp, um, you know, there, about three years ago, I seen this kid in camp, I mean, flying across the field, playing D-back, playing safety. Um, but he had a C on his jersey, and that means captain. And as I got a chance, after the practice, I got a chance to meet him and talk to him. Um, just talking about the NFL, because I seen that he had a promising future, right, in which he went to the Bills. And we kind of stayed in contact. Um, but but D-Ham, man, was like a, a good kid. You know, he went to Central Catholic. A school I'm familiar with um, playing in Pennsylvania because I grew up in Pennsylvania. <clears throat> and it's everything that, that players from the Bills that I played with, when they got to meet him, they said everything that I knew already. He was a genuine kid. He was nice. He had a chip on his shoulder. He had that old Pittsburgh blue collar. I'll, I'll work hard, you know, go out there and get it done. Um, and then once I seen everything happen yesterday, man, I just had flashbacks of um, staying in contact with him. I remember when, when he got trapped to the, to the Bills, just talking to him about what they expect, right? That was brief, just, you know, Buffalo, you love the fans and et cetera. Um, and him so happy to get there. You know, um, just, a, just all around good person, great kid. You know, one thing about, about him, D-Ham, is just that, like, he had that, that attitude that gravitates to people, you know, and, and, and you want to be around a guy like that. And you love to go on the battlefield and play ball with a teammate like that. So, um, he's a great person, man. He's a great kid, smart kid. Um, he's my pit brother, 
right? And, and it felt good to, to know him because my, I was obligated to, to, as an older pit brother, to tell him the things to look forward to in the NFL. You know, and um, that's why I'm, I'm praying for him deeply. No doubt about it. Joy, who is DeMar Hamlin to you? Um, well, I think you introduced him really well, Emmanuel. I grew up in Pittsburgh, was born and raised there. So he's a neighbor. He grew up in McKees Rocks, which is about 30 minutes on the, it's on the other side of the city from where I grew up. And uh, there's an amazing piece um, that, I, that I tweeted out, written by Tyler Dunn, and it tells a great bit of detail, I think you read it as well, about DeMar's story and how he grew up and what he overcame. And Shady just mentioned it. Pittsburgh is a, Pittsburgh is a special place. It has a, it has a blue-collar uh, mentality. And I think a lot of people say that, but when you hear someone's from Pittsburgh or you hear someone spent time in Pittsburgh, you, you instantly have a connection because you know the city and you know what it means to grow up there, what it means to overcome being from certain places in Pittsburgh. And that's a big part of his story and why he is the man he is today, why he chose to go to Pittsburgh, to stay around and give that experience to his younger brother. And he had offers to go to all kinds of big D1 schools, and he chose to stay there in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I think learning more about his story and what his family has overcome, what he's overcome, paints a picture of the true character that, that he is and what he's about and what he means, not just to his family, but also to his community in McKees Rocks and Pittsburgh and what he wants to do for the youth there. Now, I went to Woodland Hills. Obviously, I'm very familiar with Central Catholic as a shady. Those are the two, those are the two big football powerhouses in Pittsburgh, and, you know, it's a special relationship that football has to the community of Pittsburgh. It's why it's a big part of who, who I am. So, you know, learning more about who he is as a person, it's reflective of his story and why he is where he is. And obviously his teammates and everyone in the community and the NFL community is, um, is telling their relationships with him and who he is. Dave is a journalist of the National Football League for 10 years. Who is DeMar Hamlin to you? DeMar Hamlin, and I never, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting him personally. I didn't grow up in Pittsburgh. But for me, and my time covering the NFL, he is the epitome of a real NFL player. Because, I mean, think about, think about the math of the NFL. You know, there's, there's 70 guys in an NFL locker room. Maybe maybe 10 of those are like the, the superstar caliber players, the guys that we debate on a show like this, the guys that swing fantasy football championships and all that trivial stuff. The other 60 are guys like DeMar Hamlin, guys who were good enough at football as, as high school players that they got offers from places like Pitt, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. That, that's how good DeMar Hamlin was at football. And he was still a sixth-round pick, and that's, that's not a knock on him. That's a testament to how top tier the NFL is and how many of these guys are chasing that dream drafted in the sixth round very little in the way of job security Emmanuel you know that personally um, fighting for your chance he, he gets a chance to start for the Buffalo Bills because of injuries ahead of him and he's making the most of that opportunity still not a guarantee of anything in the future and I, I spent 10 years in NFL locker rooms and there's there's so many guys like DeMar Hamlin where you know, they want to represent their community, be it Pitt, Pittsburgh, be it a completely different corner of the country. They've got a brother or, or a son or a daughter that they want to make proud, a community they want to make, make proud. They've got 
causes that are important to them, whether it's a food drive, whether it's a, a children's clinic or, or a, a children's hospital. Um, it, it could be innumerous, and they're all working toward that dream and that goal. And the vast majority of them are doing it in relative obscurity, considering that they play in the most popular league in America. And uh, I think that really hammers it home is that this this is the workforce of the NFL. This is this is the backbone of the league that that is so popular that we dedicate so much time and energy to. And um, it's obviously it's tragic, uh, but it's, it's just a reminder that that's that's 65 lives on the field every week. And um, it's just a brutal reminder of how fragile that all is. Drafted pick 212, pick 212, DeMar Hamlin. I was drafted pick 204. As you were describing that journey of DeMar Hamlin, I was thinking about myself. As a six-round pick, nothing is given. Everything is earned. And DeMar Hamlin is earning Everything. Micah Hyde, former teammate of yours, LaShawn McCoy with the Buffalo Bills. He goes down with a neck injury earlier this season. Hamlin steps right in, and he does not relinquish that position for nothing. He steps right in, and with the tenacity that he played with at Pitt, he brings that same tenacity to Buffalo. Speak to me, Shady, about being in Buffalo. I know you've talked to some of those Bills players. I know you've talked to some of Hamlin's teammates. Speak to me about the mentality of what might be going on with those guys in this moment. Man, I, man I, from last night to this morning, um, I've spoken to um, a couple of Bills players, old teammates of mine, and um, they're hurt. They're hurt. I'm hurt. I'm hurt because I obviously had a leash with them, but I'm just thinking of, like, the situation is he's from Pittsburgh, right? The game's in Cincinnati. So it's not that far. Two-hour drive, if that. Family's coming to the game. The mom, the uncles, the brothers. Like, people are coming to the game to see him play. Uh, I'm thinking about the, the, the family, you know, mentality, the mindset. What's, what are they thinking? Try to keep everybody upbeat, you know, and, you're, and, and the mom. Like, I, I love my mom. I'm a mama's boy. Just imagine my mom being there and I'm on the field. So, not only just the players, but myself. Like, I'm hurt from this. And then when I speak to my teammates, my ex-teammates, you know, they're hurt. I won't get into all the, 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 and the describing what happened, but just, just imagine your, your, your brother, right? Imagine your brother on, on the field. Hurt. Hurt bad. Can't breathe. Heart's not beating. CPR on the field? That's never been done. So some of the guys on defense that I did talk to, it's like when you ask us to play again, or even think to play again, how do we talk about tackling? You want to talk about tackling? When I don't know if my brother is safe, no thumbs up, no sign, no none of that. Um, and just talk to all the guys, man, just, just really hurt. They talked about how just they were in the locker room. Um, after the stuff we seen on TV, um, just, you know, the coaches talking back and forth, and then when they went back into the locker room on the phone, I'm sure with the owner, not the owner, but um, Roger Goodell. They said after that, they all sat in the locker room for about two to three hours. Because the flight, the flight to go back to Buffalo is after the game. After the game, it might be like an hour and a half until you leave. Um, but it still was on schedule. Mm-hmm. So they had all that time to just think about what happened. Our, our teammate is on the ground. And mind you, this teammate, DeMar, DeMar is like a, a really good kid. He's like, uh, like, and I talked about having like a, a chip on his shoulder. It's like doing everything possible, right, to make the team. Do everything When's the possible. last time y'all spoke? Uh, I want to say... Um, Right before, wait, when, when um, Micah Hyde got hurt. Micah Hyde got hurt. Just talking about, you know, hey, time to step up, ball out. You know, and this team has been through a lot. Like, like the owner, Miss Pagula, 
she's been hospitalized for the whole year. They haven't been seeing her. And then Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox lost his brother. So as I'm talking to my te ex-teammates about what just happened, what just took place, they quickly remind me of what type of year it's been. Dawson Knox, that was just a couple months ago. That just happened. So it's like this team is dealing with so much. And then the, 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 to be there on the field, like, and I try to like, explain to a lot of my friends that didn't play in the NFL, that don't really know what it means to be in the white lines. Like, we talk about, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win this game. I'm going to put my life on the line. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Friends mad at my teammates. Oh, he didn't tackle. He didn't catch the ball. We lost the game. Fantasy, whatever it is. But we forget these people are human beings. So now it takes something like this to sit in. to like, dang, this is a real person. It's not just a, a figure on the field. So, I mean, just talking to a lot of my guys, they're, they're, they're deeply hurt, man. And I mean, too, it's just you never want to see these type of things. And then it's a job, right? So the game has to go on. And that's the worst part about it is that this game is, is a job that we take care of our families. But to go back out on that field, to tackle somebody, you can't help to think about if that could be me on that field next. It's a tough situation, man. It really is. I hope you all are continuously enlightened through this dialogue, to some degree captivated by this discussion. But more than anything, again, I hope that this conversation <sighs> serves DeMar Hamlin and his family because that is the primary objective of this show. More speak after this. Again, all of our thoughts and prayers are currently with Damar Hamlin, Bill starting safety, who is currently fighting for his life right now. Again, yesterday's Monday night game with the whole world watching a collision occurred and he was carted off the field, taken away in an ambulance. We were all watching the game in separate locations, as I assume you were, too. We all had potent reactions. And, Joy, I want to come to you first. Obviously, after this happened, I literally stopped what I was doing, picked up the phone, called you, checked on you. You checked on me. How are you doing? How are you feeling? What's going through your mind? That was a private conversation. Let's have it publicly. What is your reaction? What was your reaction to all of this? I mean, this is everyone's biggest fear when it comes to football, is this moment. I mean, we've never seen this before. This is unprecedented. We've all seen or had moments or, or, or experiences where a guy's been down or knocked out. I mean, my most vivid memory of this feeling was covering a youth football game in South Florida way early on in my career. And it's like an eight-year-old that they're having to bring an ambulance out for. Like that feeling of, oh my God, like this isn't even a professional player or college player. This is a baby that they're putting on this ambulance. So this, you know, this is a fear that we all watching this very violent sport have and you know it's it's met with the the reality of course as, as shady said in the last break that these are human beings i mean i obviously my my brother played both of my brothers played football i have two nephews that play division one football now i have friends that have played football and do play football and it's a big part of our lives but this is these are not robots these this is not a television show it's human beings who are quite literally putting you know, their, their lives in danger to play this game. And so, you know, the, the feeling that we all collectively shared as humans watching, you know, the suffering that he was obviously experiencing and that we could see was very different from the reactions of the faces and the tears and, 
you can you could see and hear it was palpable the the pain that everyone was in watching him on the field it's just it's the worst fear um and and i think that's all that's what we are all experiencing at the same moment and it's it's why it's kind of drawn us all together to this conclusion that we probably should remind ourselves of more often that these are these are real people and this is this is real life i want to make sure i clarify nfl players football players they don't sign up for this so many people shady i've heard over the last 24 hours you know athletes you know they know what they're signing up for no 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 let me clarify for the entire world athletes sign up for broken bones yep. athletes sign up for pulled muscles Athletes understand that within the fine print, they might be signing up for paralysis. Hopefully it is temporary. But under no circumstance is any athlete, and LaShawn McCoy, please correct me if I am wrong, under no circumstance is any athlete signing up for potentially fighting for their life. No. That is not something Mm -hmm. that us football players sign up for. And we sign up for a lot. But fighting for your life is not one of those things that football players understand is a risk they run. It is hyperbole, y'all. Before a game, you go out onto the field and you talk about, hey, we got to go knock them out. Hey, I'm going to die for the man to my right. I'm going to die for the man to my left. I wouldn't rather go into the bunker with anybody else but this dude standing next yeah. to me. Hey, we got to go out there and we got to maim these dudes. It's hyperbole. Nobody's actually supposed to be near death you might want to inflict pain onto someone but you're not actually trying to inhibit someone from going back home to their loved ones but hyperbole has somehow become reality when exaggeration has actually become what we are living out that is when my mind has come to a place of irreconcilable peace And so that was my initial reaction. Dave Hellman, take me to yours. I'll be honest, and I I don't think I'm proud of this, but I think you, especially covering it as a job, I think you get a little bit desensitized. I was sitting in my kitchen. I write a story every Monday night for Tuesday. It's obviously a game with major implications. I don't even think I saw it happen live. I heard them say, we're going to go to break. I was looking at my laptop. I look up and I was, oh, that's not good. They come back from break. And again, this desensitized reaction where you're like, did he, did he hit his head? How big of a deal is this? How long is the stoppage going to be? And I've, I've seen scary stoppages plenty of times in my career. I was there the day Brack, Dak Prescott broke his ankle. Before that, I was there uh, when Ricardo Lockett, the Seahawks receiver, uh, was hit in a, a very bad hit at midfield and was down. He had a fracture in his neck. He wound up having to retire. But even in that... It's different, right? And it's like the old cliches. I've heard other people talk about this on other programs of like looking for the thumbs up. Like, does he have movement in his extremities? Oftentimes, like even before the player is off the field, there is some sort of assurance that, yes, this is bad for him, but he's going to be okay in terms of his life, you know? And like a ton of bricks when they, and it was incredibly... Um, unfortunate, but when they showed the reactions of Josh Allen and, and several of the Bills players, it was, it was a feeling I can't even describe, like, a, a get, like it just a, a flip or a, a switch flipped and, and just a very heavy reminder of like, okay, we, we're not in the context of this game anymore. Like, you know, how long is the stoppage going to be? It's like this, this is a problem that I am not familiar with 
in terms of watching football. And um, I've never experienced anything like it. And like you said, I mean, like I said, I'm not proud to admit it, but I think you, you kind of build up a, a desensitivity to this when you, when you watch the sport and cover it, and it just, it just wiped all of that away instantly. Shady, let's talk about being desensitized for a second because I don't think the viewers fully understand how numb athletes become to pain. In college, I recall a player uh, fracturing his neck, I believe it was. There was a neck injury, and all we did was move it up 10 yards, blow the whistle, keep practice going. Our teammates laying down behind us, they're bringing out paramedics and all the things, and we're still practicing. Like literally hearing the agony and the screams of our brother behind us, but at the end of the day, we got to play Oklahoma on Saturday, and that game will go on. Even us athletes are desensitized. So how did you feel when you saw your former teammate Josh Allen distraught, Stefan Diggs distraught, Tredavious White, a close friend of yours, distraught? <clears throat> what was going through your mind in that moment? And before I answer that, it's crazy because I came in the league at 20. I was, young, I was the youngest guy in the NFL in 2009, so young that my parents had to sign on my contract with me. <clears throat> I remember my first practice of, of live hitting. I can't. Somebody got hurt. And the coach said, hey, move it up 15 yards. I'm thinking, like, like dang, he, he, he hurt. Mm-hmm. Normally, everybody takes a knee, and they say a quick prayer, right? If he, if he moves a little bit, we're good. Then we'll continue practice from college. Mm-hmm. But the pros is way different. And we moved up 15 yards. And that was, like, my first time of really understanding, like, wow, this is the true business of, the, of this sport. So to answer your question, um, and, and more of I can agree with, with Dave, to be, and I played the game, to be honest, like, you get used to it where guys are, for example, I was watching the game, right? And um, when, he made, when, when T. Higgins ran into him, to DM, he slammed him down and he jumped up. So when he jumped up, I seen him go back down. So I'm thinking either he's concussed symptoms, right? Got woozy, like, oh, let me go something together. Or knocked the wind out of him. Mm-hmm. I've been there. Like, oh, jump up quick. <sighs> Drop down. I can't breathe for maybe... 20 seconds, it happens. I'm so, I'm so used to saying that, right? That I go, I make some popcorn. Mm-hmm. I was gonna get some popcorn. So when I came back to the game, he was still down. I'm like, oh, well, I'm still just watching it because I'm used to it. When it really hit me is my teammates that I know. When I see Josh Allen's face, I know Josh. Oh, he's concerned. He's worried. When I seen Tredavious White, another one of my close homeboys, I was like, they were scared. So then as, as I really learned what really happened, it was a scary situation. No player on that field, and I could confidently say that, they've never seen nothing like that. They've never seen or even heard of anything like that. So when that happened, that's when I got concerned. That's when I started calling up all my boys, teammates, ex-teammates, like, bro, you see this? What you think is going on? What happened? I'm calling even doctors I know, um, team doctors. I called two of them from different teams I played on. Like, what the heck is going on? Um, and it's like you're, 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 you're scared now. And I think the, the problem is that we're so used to seeing guys get banged up. We're such a tough sport. You know, concussion. A cu- concussion's a big thing. But we expect the player to come back in a week. He's in a protocol. He'll be back. We had a big game Sunday, Joy. He got to be back, right? You don't even think about how severe it really could be. And then something like this happens, and you see the, 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 the facial expressions on everybody's faces to let you know, oh, this, this is real. And that's when I text you, like, yo, bro, this, this is the real deal. So it's like you get used to something. 
you know, and it takes something like this for now, everybody to be more aware. So I'm sure the NFL, going forward, any type of hits, they're going to really check it out even more. And they've done a great job so far of getting better and better with these type of incidents, but we got to do even more. How vital, and Joy and Shady, I want to hear both of your answers, playing in the National Football League, having siblings, several of them that played uh, at high levels. How vital is that thumbs up? I recall Mm. I was playing Baylor. My former teammate Aaron Williams gets knocked out. I played with him in Buffalo. Played with A.J. in Buffalo. A.J. Williams had to retire due to neck injuries. Neck injuries, yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm staring down at Aaron Williams in college, and he sprawled out. Um, hands laid out perpendicular, legs laid out, and he wasn't moving. I was the first person to see him. I look over him, I look at the sideline. I look at him, I look at the sideline. He's not moving. Eyes are closed. I was in shock, but I could hear him, like, wincing. So I was like, oh, he'll be okay. Right. Like, in my mind, I was just like, yo, he'll be okay. Right. Like, that's just the assumption we all have is he'll be okay. Four minutes go by. I rewatched this uh, earlier today. I rewatched the whole incident. 100,000 people are quiet in Darrell K. Memorial Stadium in Austin, Texas. Finally, he sits up. He was okay. That was my proverbial thumbs up. You talked about it, Dave, in regards to Dak Prescott. Shady, let me come to you first, Joy, quickly after. How vital is it? How much peace does it give you when you do see that thumbs up from a teammate? Because we didn't necessarily get to see that one from D.A. Yeah, I think it's a different perspective for you, Joy, because to actually, you know, your brother played at a super high level, but to be on the, the, if he's ever was down, to be on the sideline, oh, is, oh my brother, is, is he okay? I can't speak on that because my fa- I played, so my family, my mom could talk about it, but more like the, 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 the brother on the field. Like, and it's to be honest, like I, I never was ever really worried. Guys I played with that have been hurt, it's because in my mind, okay, he, he's down for a little bit, he's, he's banged, okay, he, he moving. Once I see him moving, cool, I might start stretching. Yep. I might go check, hey, hey, bro, you good? Hey, are you good, bro? And I might get back to doing what I'm doing to get prepared for this game. So physically, I got to be mentally ready. So I think as players, like, once we see this uh, enough movement, like you said, once he's the wheezing, oh, AJ, hey, hey, he'll be okay. Yeah. So it's the same thing as players. Like, I mean, once I see some type of movement, indication that, okay, my boy, because you care, you love your brothers. My boy's okay, I'm cool, compared to actually really, hey, Doc, because we don't never do that. Think about that. You never go to the doctor. AJ was on the ground. You said, Doc, is he okay? What's, what's the sentence? What's going on? You don't do that. You, you, you check. Check on your boy. You all right? He brave? All right. You, you be all right, man. So you, you get used to that, man. That, that's something that I think now players, we might have to do that. Hey, Doc, hey, I, I know he's moving, but look, that hit, that, that looks, that hit looks serious. But hold him out a little bit. Make sure he's really good before he comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in the context of the sport, that's what it is. It's a collision sport. It's very violent. And as Dave said, we get desensitized to seeing these kind of hits. You guys get desensitized. You guys have had these hits. Yep. So you know the pain intensity of it. So that may even desensitize you even more. Like, yeah. all right, well, I, you know, that happened to me, but I'm good. I'm back. You know, it's it, it, when you, you put this context on yeah, someone walking down the street, it doesn't fit. You know, this is, this is within the sport. And that's why this is so jarring, because we have seen so many violent hits. We have seen so many violent tackles. We have seen guys be knocked out for a long time. And we're like, even just saying it, like knocked out is a big deal. And and this this is an even bigger deal. So seeing the reaction really showed you how intense it was. As I've been very, very blessed that. You know, Jason's major injuries where he almost uh, died or almost had his leg amputated 
happens away from the game. So it didn't happen on the field. So he has had very, very serious moments where like, he literally almost had to have his leg amputated and almost died. But it was compartment syndrome and it happened at home and he was able to go to the hospital. But and I mentioned the moment earlier with the the young kid at the at the youth game that I covered. But the, the thumbs up is, is everything. We don't know as a family, obviously, you're still concerned. You still are going to the hospital. You still want to make sure their quality of life is, is going to be OK. I mean, obviously, Ryan Shazier is someone that mm. that pops into your mind yes, when, you, when you think about you know, a situation like this. It's very unprecedented. You want to make sure they're OK, but we don't really know. And that's, I mean, Lisa Salter said it on the broadcast, I think, perfectly. That's what everyone was waiting for, and we didn't get that, it, that thumbs up. Yeah, and that, like, like my mother, she always tell me, like, um, whenever I was down, right, when, when I broke my ankle in high school, um, she said she never really worried about me being down. She would look, right, because my mom's tough, too. She's looking around. As long as I'm moving, she's okay. When I, when I was really hurt, hurt, crying and moving around, she got worried. Like, even as players, we've been through these issues that we don't, see how serious it really is. I'll give you an example. Jalen Hurts, right? That's your shoulder, so it's not as severe, right? But learning that he had like an AC joint, in my head, I said, oh, he'll be back. You know why I thought that? Because I had it before. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know that pain. He, he could take that. But it's like, what, that, they even think like that, right? It's like we're so conditioned to think it's nothing from fans and players. Mm-hmm. So if even to know he got hurt with his shoulder, once I learned what it really was, oh, that's that's some pain, but he'll, he'll be back. We got to be better with that, man. You know what else, just to bring this home, is like being on the field with 80,000, 100,000 people watching. That rush, too. Oof. There's a crazy rush, but there's also a cognition for the athlete of when you're down, do everything within your power to get up. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Do everything within your power to get up mm-hmm. because you know that your loved ones are there. Yep. I remember my dad came to every single game I played in college minus one. And the reason I know he didn't go to one is because he only didn't go to one. So he went to every single game. And if I ever got hurt, I would always say, just get up. Mm. Just find a way to get up because you know the agony your parents or your loved ones in the stands might be going through. And knowing that DeMar Hamlin in that moment did not get up, I can't imagine the agony that his loved ones are going through right now. So DeMar... Our thoughts and prayers are continually with you all. We will have more on the brotherhood, what it means, and on DeMar Hamlin next on Speak. You know by now that Bill's starting safety, DeMar Hamlin, was injured during the Monday night game yesterday, currently fighting for his life after a collision. But what you do not necessarily know is the camaraderie, the fraternity, the brotherhood that exists within the National Football League. I rarely ever say this, but I literally have the pleasure and privilege of working with a former teammate, LaShawn McCoy, every single day. It doesn't come up often on the show, but it truly is a blessing thinking back to 2013 when we were in locker rooms together competing against one another. 2014, sharing locker rooms, competing against one another, watching you succeed on the football field, and hopefully you on occasion watching me do the same. Shady, speak to that brotherhood. DeMar Hamlin will not be in the team meeting that occurs for the Buffalo Bills later on today, that occurs tomorrow morning as he continues to recover from this by the grace of God. There will be a vacancy 
yeah. than DeMar Hamlin's seat in that defensive back meeting room as Tredavious White takes his place and Jordan Poyer starting safety takes his place and Taron Johnson starting nickelback takes his place. There will be a vacancy in that seat where Hamlin sits as he recovers. Take me inside a meeting room, a position room, a locker room, the brotherhood in regards to all of this. Brotherhood is big, right? Uh, we say that word, but it's a true meaning. In that locker room, it's a true brotherhood. Guys I've played with 10 years ago, right? Guys I played with four years ago, like, it's the same type of love. I even think about this. <clears throat> and, the, and the brotherhood that I've had with most players, right? Especially in the same room. When I say same room, I mean like the running backs. Before five running backs on the team. And there's some times where like, you may let the room down or maybe you play bad or something happened on the field, right? We all pick each other up. So I just remember times where I might have a bad day, right? And a guy like Darren Sproles could pick me up. He, he knows I'm going through something. Pull me to the side. Hey, what's, what's up? What's going on? The thing with the brotherhood is this. During the season, we're with each other more than we're with our families. Absolutely. So when they talk about brotherhood, that's why. I'm with you. I'm with you all the time. The good through the bad, things that that we can relate to that our families might not. I, I remember having the best conversations about finances, not with my not with my financial advisor, with my brother, because he's going through the same thing. Family need money for this. You gotta pay bills for that. How do you save your money? How do we stop spending? We can relate because we go through it every day, right? Contract conversations, um, um, relationship situations. You know, being away from our wives. We're at practice all the time. We're trying to get better and better and better. All seasons, we're still training. Like, all these different things that I'm talking about, that brotherhood we all can relate to. Because people outside of the white lines, they can't really relate. They can talk about it. They can ask questions. But they don't know because they're not in them shoes. So when you talk about the brotherhood, these football players, Hamlin goes down, right? He goes down. Now, D. Ham's his situation. You got guys, like you said, Shredavious White. Poirier. When they go to these meeting rooms, their brother's not there. So it's hard to have these conversations when our brother, that empty seat's there. You don't constantly think about it. But each other of them guys, that's when their brotherhood is strong. Because now I'm your crutch. When you're sad, because Deham's not in the, uh, uh, here, he's not with us, we both feel that. And we both help each other out. So brotherhood is so big, man, because if you haven't been there, you won't understand. You know, and... um I'm so thankful for all my brothers. I'm thankful for you. You know, we've been tight yeah, since yeah. ball, right? And we're tighter after ball. A lot of guys I play with that I still talk to for advice. Guys like Michael Vick, Sante Samuels, Jason Peters. These dudes that I can reach out to when I'm going through things, right? And then when they're going through things, I answer the call right away. Hey, what's up, bro? What's going on? And this may, this, may, <laughs> this may go on for 20, 30 years. But when you in that locker room, you share them thoughts, right? You drop a... Gang winning touchdown and all the fans, all the talk shows are talking about you. But your brother, he's going to be mad at you for a second. You should have caught that ball. But after that, it's my brother, though. Yeah. Hey, pick your head up. Let's get better. You know, so that brotherhood is, is strong, man. I would never, ever take that for granted. Outside of the images on the field, the most palpable image to me was of Stefan Diggs trying to get into the hospital 
um, after mm. he knew where yep. DeMar Hamlin yep. was. I don't know if y'all haven't seen it. Yeah. I'm sure it's circulating on social. Dave, I recall one of my former teammates was facing up to 25 years in prison um, for something he had committed, and everybody was mocking him on social media, right. scoffing over yep. him. Sure. And I picked up the phone and I called him. Now, I was a little trepidatious to call him because I was like, what do you say? What are you saying? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's treating you as untouchable. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, he called me with tears in his eyes. And I just said, man, I'm just trying to catch you before the bounce. Mm. See, when people are going through something tragic or traumatic, it's not that initial hit that gets them, but it is the fact that nobody catches them before the bounce. Oh. And I said, man, I'm just trying to catch you before the bounce. Speaking of that brotherhood is being there when nobody else can be there for you. And right now, the Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia, but his teammate Stephon Diggs really trying to be there for DeMar Hamlin. Dave, you weren't on the field, but you were in the locker room for 10 consecutive years, asking these players questions, watching the players interact, interrupting the interaction so you could ask them questions. Yep. Dave, speak to me about the brotherhood inside those locker rooms. I mean, I love what Shady just said, and I mean, I didn't live it, right? So I can only relate to it so much. But one thing that I really love and appreciate about it is the, the bond exists between all NFL players, right? And in this in this hyper-connected world we live in now, one thing I really appreciate is it spans across all 32 teams, you know? Like, you, yep. you know, you've, you've known uh, DeMar because of your history with Pitt, That's right? That's right. That's right. These guys train at the same gyms. I mean, mm -hmm. NFL players gravitate toward places with warm weather where there are good gyms, so whether it's Dallas, whether it's Phoenix, whether it's L.A. You get to know these guys. You go to school with them. I got, uh, DeMar Hamlin was a senior bowl guy. Yep, you know, you, you go down to Mobile to prove yourself. You meet somebody. Y'all get drafted in the same class. And it can be very broad, but then it can get hyper-specific, right? Like, even, even in your own locker room, maybe, you know, of course, you're going to relate to the DBs better, right? You, your career, Shady, you talk all the time about um, how close you are with Jeremy Macklin because y'all yep. came in at the same time, yep. right? Yep. Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott are going to be intrinsically linked. Forever. They were drafted at the same time, became starters at the same time. You have close friends that, that filled the same role on the team as you, right? Like special teams. Like, no offense, Shady, but you might not relate to that as well as the guys that got to go true. get it out That's the true. mud on yeah. kick team, you know? How about this? I, I, I loved this story before this ever happened, and I actually, like, I, I did know who DeMar Hamlin was because I covered the draft. He had the privilege, or still has the privilege, of sharing a DB room with his pit teammate, Dane Jackson. Oh, they were drafted. Yeah. yeah. A year apart from each mm -hmm. other. Yep. How do you, I mean, how can you even explain that level of bond? Two guys that went to the same college from the same town playing similar positions in the same DB room. I mean, it, it, it goes without saying, but I, I, I love hearing stories like that. And like I said at the top of the show is that that is really the NFL to me. Like I always, of course, the quarterbacks take the headlines and, and, and the, the top contract guys are what we talk about on these shows. But what, there's 15, 1,600 players in this league, and 85% of them live a life just like DeMar Hamlin, where the reporters are going to come into the locker room and rush past you because it's Josh Allen's day to talk, you know? But you've got a job to do, and you don't have the job security that Josh Allen has. That, I, I love stories like that. I love players like that. Um, it's, it's beyond tragic that it takes an event like this to to highlight a story like Tamar Hamlin's. Joy, you said something brilliant earlier, and it was subtle, but you spoke of how everything Tamar Hamlin had to overcome to get to where he is. He grew up maybe 30 minutes or 30 miles, 30 minutes um, from where you grew up. 
knowing what it takes to get to where DeMar Hamlin did, graduating from Pitt, working on another degree, being in the National Football League, starting as a six-round pick, what are the qualities, the attributes, what might it have taken to have to get to where DeMar Hamlin has gotten to coming from where he grew up from because you did grow up adjacent to that area? I mean, I think it's a a deep sense of pride and self-belief, but it's also, you know, a strong a strong family, a strong bond with the people that are closest to you, and a strong focus. I mean, there are a lot of things. And again, I encourage you to go uh, read Tyler Dunn's interview with him where he talks a lot about what he did overcome. But when you're in an environment of chaos and uncertainty and having to do things for yourself that you, you know, are sacrificing your pride in order to be successful, you never forget that. There's an anxiety of knowing where you come from and that there are people that are even in your, still in your family that are in those spaces. So you, have a, you not only have a chip on your shoulder, you're hyper-focused, but you also have the expectations, not the expectations, but the dreams of other people that you feel responsible for. And I don't think that ever really leaves you. So, I mean, we know how hard it is to make the NFL, to even get drafted, to get the opportunity to be in that space. We call it a dream, but I mean, these are the 1% of the 1% in the world who get this opportunity to live this dream out. Forget the money. To be able to be paid to play football. Right, that's that's it right there. Paid is is something you love to do. Yeah, and and something that not everyone can do. I mean, there are a lot of things that all of us can do. I cannot play professional football in the NFL. That wasn't what I was born and designed by God to do. So it is a, it's, a, it's truly a gift. And when you recognize you have that gift and opportunity, I mean, just, just following his life from where he, he came from in McKees Rocks in Pittsburgh, what he went through as a, as a child with his family, to be able to have the success in high school that he had at Central Catholic and then to be able to have the success that he did at Pitt. I mean, you guys know what it is to be even a college athlete. It was too much for me. It is a huge, huge commitment. Yeah. It's a lot of focus. There are a lot of things that can distract you. He went through a, 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 um, an injury yeah. in college yeah. that kept him from, oh, from yeah, playing right. for a while. Sport, a sports attorney had multiple surgeries. You just have to be a very, very mentally, uh, spiritually, emotionally tough person. And I think we say that about a lot of people, but there are a lot of people who didn't get to that space. And some of that is because you have to have that within you to be able to overcome all those surroundings, to overcome the roadblocks that are put in front of you to get to the level that he is. And it speaks of his character. And again, it's why his teammates are, are behind him the way that they are and are that emotional because they have the connection to them are. After he was drafted, he said in an interview, I'm a fierce competitor. Somebody who wants to win. I'm not scared to compete. Well, he is in the competition of a lifetime, a competition for his life. And we are all standing with him as teammates in this proverbial and literal fight. We'll have more on DeMar Hamlin after this. Thoughts and prayers for him and his family. Welcome back. As we continue to focus on DeMar Hamlin as he fights for his life, I have to highlight the toy drive that was launched by DeMar Hamlin. Now, think about this. It had the goal of reaching $2,500. 
But as of right now, it's raised over $4.8 million in donations since last night. I know, Joy, you have been monitoring the toy drive closely. Speak to me about this, because this is bringing a smile to all of our faces in the midst of this hardship. Yeah, it's, it is something special to, to watch it. I mean, I've, I've been seeing it grow when everyone first started sharing it. It was around, like, I don't know, 300000 which... It just in a matter of hours, it had reached that point. And to see it get to the, to the point it is now, uh, it's, it's really special. It's, it's, it's speaking to the, the sports community. And uh, particularly, obviously, we know Buffalo Bills fans are incredible with this when it comes to, you know, donating and supporting uh, their team's charities. But obviously, this has expanded now to the entire NFL. And it's reaching astonishing number. I saw that they put an update on it today as well that, you know, obviously they're going to, you know, they're very grateful for everyone uh, supporting and it means a lot to the family. And I, I think it's just a, a great human gesture that people feel helpless right now waiting to find out if he's going to be okay. And there's often nothing you can really do, yeah. but there is something as you can do. You can help support you know, his his family and his toy drive. And I, I think it's really special. I recall after Tua Tungavailoa was carted off against the Bengals, over 1,000 Bills fans donated to, right. donated to Tua's charity in, in different unique amounts. One would be $21.19, reflective of the Dolphin score over the Buffalo Bills earlier on in that year. So the Bills do have a history, Bills fans and Bills Mafia, long history of doing this. Dave, you made a fascinating point. Because while the number is now at $4.8 million, he only had a goal of raising $2,500, really humanizing him being a sixth-round pick and not some sort of star first-round NFL player. Speak to that. This is what I mentioned at the top of the show, and it's, it's something I, I keep thinking about. Is Again, there's several dozen DeMar Hamlin's in every NFL locker room. Maybe he's from Pittsburgh. Maybe he's from New Orleans. Washington State, I mean, like every corner of the country from every level of football. And they all come from a community. They all have a cause that they care about. This was Damar Hamlin's, but everybody else, you know, how many football players have a camp in their community where they want to teach the kids from their area how to, you know, the fundamentals of football. You see guys like Marshawn Lynch do turkey drives around Thanksgiving every year. I mean, this is, it's every player in the NFL to some degree is involved in their community. And it's, it's amazing that that DeMar's cause took off like this as a show of support. But it's just a, it, it makes me think about the fact of there's 15, 1600 guys in this league and all of them have a cause like that, that that you maybe you don't know about or you're not talking about because we're not faced with this type of tragedy every week. And I love that, you know, as you see that players go back to the communities and try to make a difference, make an impact. <clears throat> them Buffalo fans, this is what I will say about them. They truly love their players and support. You know, even you talked about them giving to money to sure. the Tools Foundation. Yeah. Even in a different scenario where, where um, the Bengals, our first year, it was a 17-year drought for the playoffs. I was part of that team. We finally went to the playoffs. Andy Dalton was the quarterback for the Bengals. Yeah, and I believe they, they beat a team. They beat, they beat the Ravens. They beat the Ravens. To get the Bills into the playoffs. And they sent him almost $200,000 to his foundation. All right? This is amazing. But... I've been there, man, where players do that. They, they love to give back to the community to, to help the kids that once they were that child that went through that upbringing, that community, 
And like Joey talked about, it was a tough area, right? So that's what shows you what type of person DM is, yeah. right? To even have something like that, a toy drive, only for $2,500. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like most times it's like, oh, 50000 100000 No, 2500 I'm just trying to do something to help the kids that grew up like me. And that just can attest to how great of a person he, he is. There had to be a toy drive for people to donate to in order for donations to eclipse right. 1.8 million. I'm on now. And it takes a special type of individual who, in the midst of fighting to maintain a starting job, right. in the midst of fighting to maintain a one seed, in the midst of fighting to maintain playoff security, is fighting to make sure that children are happy in the midst of the holiday season and beyond. Ham, when you do win this fight for your life, you will be pleasantly surprised at how many donations you've had. It's well more than $2,500. More speak after this. Welcome back into Speak. It has been a very tough and emotional day. Now, Shady, we know this much. Week 18 games, Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, has announced will continue on as normal. Yeah. We know that the Bills-Bengals game has been postponed, but the Bills do, in fact, play the Patriots this coming weekend, Week 18. How difficult is it to prepare for a matchup still unsure of how DeMar Hamlin, your brother, is doing? You know, I would love to use my... 12, 13-year NFL experience to speak on it, but I, I really don't know. I've never been in a situation where something like this has happened to one of my brothers, one of my teammates. And in, in the few Bills players that I did talk to, <clears throat> you know, they said, hey, like, how can I prepare for another team or practice tackling drills when one of my guys, teammates, my brothers, is on the ground. How do the Bills start every practice? You told me something before the show that I think the viewers could learn from. Yeah, so with the offense, we do like the small things, um, pass and catch, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, the quarterbacks, we do handoff drills, like fundamentals that you do every play. And the defense, they practice the tackling techniques, the safe, you know, techniques, they watch out for your head and et cetera, strip drills. It's like, how do you go from the incident last night to now actually going out there and practicing, like it's another routine week, you know, and um, talking to my guys, I think the message was more um, today, like, let's, we're done with the Bengals, let's prepare for the Patriots. And a lot of guys is like, the images are still in my head. The images that we didn't see, the images that the media didn't see, the TV didn't see, but the players seen it. And them images may not never go away. So it's like, you want me to go practice Tomorrow, a day after, two days after. And I don't know how you can do that. That's why I really can't speak on it. That's why I'm giving the perspective of the players that actually are in uniform right now today that's on that team who witnessed their brother down at the field. I don't know how you can do it. I was talking to a Bengals player um, who, was, who was there yesterday, and he was just telling me that he will definitely be thinking about that hit when the next time he puts on a helmet. You got to. I was like, will you be affected? And he was like, I don't know yet. He was like, but I will absolutely be thinking about it. Dave, you know the National Football League is a a billion-dollar business. And as we know, the games week 18 will continue. While our world has stopped, the world has not stopped. Speak to me about 
what this might mean for the NFL, what this might mean for the games, what this might mean for the Bills, for the Bengals. It's crazy to think that we just went through a global pandemic and this still feels like an unprecedented situation. Like this is a league that played every game during the COVID pandemic. They got every game in. I don't I still don't completely understand how it happened, but they did. And so to be in a situation where a game was called off, it's it's unprecedented. I mean, it 9/11 is the only other example I can think of where the NFL like took a beat and didn't play games, you know? And and even that was at the beginning of the season when you have all year to kind of rectify everything as opposed to you're on the cusp of the playoffs. And I I mean, that's not important right now. I understand that, but it, it, like I said, it, it, it's unprecedented. It, it sounds like a logistical nightmare on a lot of levels. I, I don't envy the people that have to figure that out. I don't know what comes next. And honestly, that's just from my perspective as a reporter. And then, Shady, it's, it's been, even knowing how serious this situation is, it's been eye-opening to hear the perspective. I mean, think about, so Monday night, you're already up against it anyway. You know, you get back to, to Buffalo early Tuesday and you've got a game Sunday. Home 3 a.m. You're up against it anyway. And now you add this into it. You're, I mean, you're not thinking. This, this is the last thing on sleep. your they mind. They at 3 a.m. They didn't sleep. You're in a world where that's what you're worried about, which how could you be? But in that world, you're getting into the meat of your game plan and what you need to do for Sunday, like late on Wednesday? I mean, I, I, it, that, that is a challenge that I, I, I don't wish that on anybody. And on top of the emotion of it, the logistics of it sound like a nightmare. And, and I don't have an answer for it because we've never seen it before. Nope. Joy, we've talked about how you were relatively pleased with how the NFL had handled the situation. Why was that? Well, I mean, this is an unprecedented situation. I don't know that I'm, I'm pleased with it, but I don't. I don't have a, you know, a visceral reaction to how it went down. We've never seen anything like this before. I mean, Shady, you played 13 years? 12. 12 years. Has no comp for this. I talked to my brother who played for 15 years. Has no comp for this. He, he was like, I've never seen anything like this. I talked to him this morning. Never seen anything like this in my career. This is a violent sport. Just, it tackles vicious head Bones broken, yeah, like, uh, kidneys lacerated. We say it like it's nothing. And, and this has never happened before. So I, I think, I mean, I, I think it shows great leadership by both of the organizations and coaches that they came together and said, we're not going, we're going to take a moment and go into the locker rooms and we're not going to come back out, you know, to, to be able to say, you know, on behalf of my guys and my team, we're not doing this. And I think the Bengals organization handled it extremely well also. I mean, I think, you know, aside from us not humanizing um, athletes enough, I also don't think that the sports world and people who, you know, cover the sports world and some people who have some, you know, questions about the integrity of it really appreciate the integrity and uh, the values and character of a lot of the men in, in this league. You know, the idea that they're just going to flippantly make people go out and do something in that moment that they're not mentally or emotionally equipped to do. And they didn't. And I'm glad that they didn't, that they called the game the way that it did and that they're, they're going to make every provision to make sure that they're, you know, mentally and emotionally okay. Yeah, more speak after this.
Welcome back. Now, in a gesture of unity, all 32 NFL teams changed their Twitter profile pictures to honor Bill Safety, DeMar Hamlin. As you see over our shoulders, every single team with that jersey, number three. DeMar, continue fighting the good fight, and please know that we are praying, thinking, and fighting with you.